Hello and welcome everybody to the first ever Cross Ice Feed podcast. I'm David Stearns. Joined with me, as always, is my broadcast partner, Brian Schrems. Schrems, what do we have in store for our listeners today? We're going to be talking about a bunch of different things. Let's let's start with a little bit of salary cap talk with the recent Corey Perry signing. Um, it's, it's an interesting signing. There was a lot of speculation about whether or not he would be traded at the deadline. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, Getzlaff gets a, a nice $8 million deal. And just earlier this week, Corey Perry gets much of the same, 8625 over the next decade or so. Uh, I'm I'm kind of curious as to what your thoughts are on these on these these massive contracts, especially for the Ducks, a, a team that that certainly came out and surprised this year. Um, wh- where's your head at with this? With with where they're headed in the future? Well, they leave no room for anybody else to join the squad. If you look at it, you're going to have your number one line valued at 24 million dollars as they step out onto the ice. I mean. I've never thought I'd see the day where I'd look out onto the ice or look at my TV screen and go, wow, there's $24 million. Oh, let's count the defenseman and the goaltender on this. Okay, we're looking at about $35 million, maybe close to $40 million worth of talent on the ice. Uh, th- these numbers are astronomical. I thought we actually did something with this collective bargaining agreement to curb these high numbers. But granted, they're making long-term contract agreements, eight years. That's all well and good. I actually thought that uh, the Players Association and the NHL were going to work to some agreement to limit contracts like this, but I guess that wasn't the case. I guess they just wanted to hurry up and finish out that lockout uh, that we all sat there and went, when the hell was this going to end? Right. And it ended without any real results with contracts, I guess. So now you got Ryan Getzloff signing for pretty much 8.25 and then Corey Perry at 8.625 going forward uh, for the next eight years. I mean... It, they're they're great talents, but you know what if one of them fizzles out? I mean, it's going to affect the others, especially having them on the same line. Right, and we 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 so often talk about um, depth, and I think an example of that this year is the New York Rangers. Similar numbers on that top line with with Nash, Gabrick, and Richards, and look at the result. Could, could you think of a bigger bust this year than the New York Rangers? and how that, that line has been playing with, with each of those players producing under 20 points this season so far. Well, the real question does come down to what are they going to do in Anaheim with Bobby Ryan? His contract's up in two years uh, after this year, so he's at a 5.1. I mean, if he's producing at an astronomical level with this line, and this line's combining for you know incredible amounts of points where this team is the hottest team in the West, what do you do? you got to drop a bunch of dead weight. I mean, still in question is whether or not Tamu Solani is going to come back, Saku Koivu is going to come back, or you know whether or not you're going to hold on to your restricted free agents like Kyle Palmieri or uh, Brandon McMillan, for that matter. It's, it's a question of, of leadership as well, I guess. You lose Koivu, you lose Solani. Um, you know, Perry and Getzlaff are great goal scorers, but do you look to them for leadership? Can you build a championship roster around these these young guns? I mean, it, it there is value to having maybe a 40, 41-year-old player on the team. He's been through it all. So Slani has, has been there. He's done that. He's gotten every every accolation under the sun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you, you look past that top line. Who do you have going into next year as your as your secondary line, your secondary scorers are going to look like Andrew Cogliano, Dan- Daniel Winnick, and maybe Palmieri. They're not going to let him go. 
a good player. Yeah. That, that, that is not a second line that is going to turn a lot of heads and, and, and tally you a lot of points. Well, don't discount Nick Benino too. I mean, he had a hot game here and there this season. I mean, but if you if you look at these names on this lineup, uh, they weren't just starting out with the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, Dave Steckel obviously got his start with Washington, then traveled around a little bit, and then ended up there in Anaheim. Um, you know, because he saw some time on Toronto and New Jersey, and uh, so Kyle Palmieri, yeah, he's at a one million dollar price tag right now and restricted at that, and whether or not they hold on to him, that's a major question. I think he's one that's worth holding on to. But when you really put the numbers together, you got to look at one important position on your team, and that's goaltending. Uh, Jonas Hiller is up after next season, and he's carrying a $4.5 million price tag. But then you have this Victor Fast guy, that's uh, or Fath, however people are pronouncing it, but uh, this guy, he's doing pretty darn well between the pipes and right now he's uh he's a really cheap goaltender at their at their uh at their expense there with one million dollars this year but 2.9 for the next two years so when you add it all up i mean they could be coming really really close to the cap once they make their re-signings for anybody that may be restricted or unrestricted after this year is up yeah it's it's tough to imagine the the anaheim ducks heading into next season with one line that is encompassing a third of their salary cap for next season. Salary cap is six four three next year. Yeah. You you have to you have to think they're going to be clawing for every dollar. You you, you have to think that Jonas Hiller is out after next year or, or will be traded. Especially when the backup goaltender is performing you at is outperforming you at, at an incredible clip at this point. Right. You have to think that, that Hiller is going to be trade bait, maybe trade for some depth at some point in time, bring in a veteran backup goaltender to keep, you know, fast in, in, in line and, and give him some pointers and things like that. They they have some options, but how reliable is, is this team to repeat the performance that they have this year in 2013-2014? I don't think they are going to be um... – you know, the team next year after all these signings are uh, you know, these three major players, I mean, keeping them on your roster, yeah, you're going to want to do that to keep the superstar status with these three guys that have just been names uh, for the last few years together. So, yeah, you're going to want to keep them as your core players, but honestly what you've done now is you've kind of pigeonholed yourself with this one line, and you're going to have to you're going to have to market your team to players to say, listen, We've got our top three, but can you be our secondary scoring and maybe not ask for too much? With your goaltender, yeah, Jonas Hiller, he's being outperformed by, by Victor Fath. And, I, you know, it's just that position. You saw how it went with Jaguar in there, and then all of a sudden Hiller came up and rose up and pretty much ousted him from the position. Yep. So the real question becomes is, Who's going to be capable of ousting a player from that top line coming up through the ranks from secondary scoring up? I mean, can you really depend upon Andrew Cogliano? He was a non-factor when he was in Edmonton. That's why they were so happy to get rid of him. I mean, not much has been produced out of him. Daniel Winnick, it's hit and miss with him. And, um, you know, these young guys that they got, like Kyle Palmieri, uh, only a year or two will show, I mean, just what they're capable of. That's why they're playing in the NHL. But... Beyond that, you know, they could fizzle out or they can really rise to the occasion. And uh, right. 
I don't see this roster really rising to the occasion beyond this year. Now, looking looking at their prospects, uh, Paul Mary is, is listed as their top prospect mm-hmm. as of right now. Um, Emerson Edom is, is up there, and Devontae Smith-Belly as well. Their defensive core is is it, it, it's okay. There, there's a few guys that might turn a few heads, but looking at the roster right now, Sheldon Surrey, I mean, it, it's enough is enough for Sheldon Surrey. Yeah. I, 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 I'm <laughs> having a hard time believing that the worst defenseman uh-huh. defensively in the league is making $3.5 million. Well, the, when um, was the last time he was really good? Let's let's look all the way back to Montreal when he was the oh, quarterbacking he, he the was, power play, and that was it. Exactly, he was he was good for forty fifty points and a minus forty fifty on the season. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a question of of why is he making three million dollars at thirty five plus years old? Yeah, and I kind of I kind of hate to say it, but Kent Baller, someone they invested in, um, isn't, isn't quite giving them the returns that they'd hope for a defender that they're paying $4 million next season. Oh, they're paying they're paying $4 million for a few seasons beyond that, and the yes. real question is, uh, can they get him to elevate his game to make him trade-worthy, if anything? Because, I mean, honestly, I don't think, uh, you know, Francois Beauchemin, I mean, yes, he has some cup experience with this Anaheim team, but whether or not he's going to be worth $3.5 million for, for over the next couple of years, I mean, yep. the depth on defense, I, I question it very much, especially with Tony Ludman still in there. I mean, Oof. how is he still relevant these days? I mean, he was seeing double for, what, almost the entire year last year? You, you and I both know that Tony Ludman only plays well with Henrik Delinder. That's <laughs> it. That's an absolute fact that is been yeah. proven for many years in Buffalo, and uh, he doesn't have him out there. And I, I think he's being exposed for the, the mediocre defenseman that he really is. I, yeah. I, I can't say I would consider him a top-four pairing anymore. Yeah. Well, my question to you is, all right, so Anaheim has these top three signed, and you know, you're looking at the depth at D and the secondary scoring and your goaltending. But then you look at another team that has done just the exact same thing, but maybe not as long term, and can get their can get themselves out of this. Uh, that being the New York Rangers, uh, they signed Marion Gabrick only through next season, and I don't think they're getting the return on investment with him. And uh, maybe even I'd, I'd argue that Brad Richards is definitely not producing anything for this team. That he well, I mean not anything, but I mean anywhere near his potential, and I don't think he's worth seven point five million dollars. Do you think the Rangers, looking at the similar situation between the Rangers and the Ducks, who has a better opportunity of saving themselves from this possible mistake that they've made, making these long-term signings for buku dollars? I, th- I think when it comes down to it, freeing up $7 million on Marion Gabrick's contract will allow them to bring in two or three good depth players to help round out that that roster, it's it's hard to it's hard to invest that much into a player that is so injury prone as Marion Gabrick, mm-hmm. and that's why it's going to be difficult to find someone to make that investment. Someone maybe trying to reach the, the cap floor. You you have to think that something's got to give in New York. This this was this was a beautiful thing on paper. How 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 hard did we almost bite? 
preseason on on the Rangers winning the cup for the next ten years. <laughs> we're with the, close. With the goaltending, the, the the solid defense, and the top three players like that. Look, 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 Scott. It, yeah. It's gotten them to a, a below average performance this year, and 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 you know it's going to show you that it's not a superstar top three mm-hmm. that's going to get you a Stanley Cup. It's it's the players on line two and especially on line three that are, are working twice as hard as the superstars to make sure that they have the opportunity to do what they do night in and night out or are supposed to be doing night in and night out. Well, it should be interesting as we compare the Rangers and the Ducks uh, in this regard. It should be interesting to see what they do when Derek Stepan and Carl Haglin go to the restricted free agency this year. That's going to be a tough one. Yep. All right, let's move on to our next topic. What do we got next, Rems? Let's let's talk a little bit about rule changes coming up uh, in light of a pretty serious injury that took place here in the past couple weeks. The topic of visors has come up and, yeah. and is, is being talked about with the board and the Players Association. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious, and, and I hope we can ask a guest at some point, um, is is it necessary to have visors in the game? Is it is it so often that we see these types of injuries occur that would merit a visor? Um, to some players, a hindrance, and and will completely change the way they see and envision and play the game. Well, in this in this argument, all right. If if we were to flash back, like maybe. Three years ago, um, as it was brought up by Matthew Schneider, the special assistant to the executive director for the NHL Players Association, uh, this is a player that never played with a visor on. And so he said that this was last brought up in 2009, making it mandatory for players to wear visors. But they quoted that 73% of players now are wearing visors. So that's quite a difference uh, between what we saw back in the 90s. Because do you remember the stigma it was to be wearing a half shield? or any kind of a visor, it, it was always the European players, and they were always kind of teased about it, you know? So, I mean, yes, for their protection, yeah, maybe visors are worth giving a look at here, but the thing is, when you make all these changes, where do you stop is my question. I, I understand it is for protection purposes. Yeah, you get a slapper from the blue line, you're the centerman that's posted up front or the winger posted up front trying to battle your way to make a deflection or uh, you know get a garbage goal at best. Yeah, you may take a shot up high. I mean, one that comes to mind was Thomas Vanek taking one off a off a deflection off of I think his own stick, and it caught him right in the in the chomp uh, in the chops, and it took him out for a couple of months. Yeah. Now I've seen worse instances where players got direct slap shots from the blue line, even from their own players, and catching it up in the face and just going down. A uh, famous example of this one, um, oh, goodness, now I blank on it. Uh, Hartford Whalers broke his he – had, he had to have broken his orbital bone, the same one on his left cheek like twice. Um, it was it was like a famous goal. But anyway, moving away from that, I'll come up with the name later and I'll, I'll shout it out. But um, – uh, I think it was Bellows, not Bellows. I, anyway, but the the fact of the matter is, maybe half shields or just visors at the least, uh, in any form or any fashion, they're probably going to make their way into the league. I mean, if you look over in the leagues overseas, 
almost all players are wearing them and you know it it could it could definitely benefit i think uh, player safety but you also have to look deeper than that what about the material that these helmets are made of as we talk about the rapid increase in concussions in the sport of hockey and all sports for that matter you have to wonder if given what's happened to Crosby given what's happened to um, a couple of the big name players is, is there going to be a change in the equipment being used and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to what you were saying before, how far is it going to go? Are we going to go a completely different molded helmet? Are we going to go um, with the visors or the face shield or, or anything of that nature? I know yeah. I, I know it, it's, it's, it's got to be tough for players that are so used to what they have now to go from that to a completely different molded helmet, completely different view of the ice. That that that's that's where I think a lot of players would reject it. It's such a it's such a change of pace, yeah. and you have to get used to it. And then players who have been playing in the league for ten or fifteen years, they're not going to want to change. I mean, is, is it going to be like the the no helmet rule? Is exactly. It, is, it, is, it, is it going to be something that's going to be optional? You can wear it at your own risk. Um, if you don't decide to wear it, are there going to be consequences from the NHL union yeah. or the Board of Governors regarding their benefits or things of that nature. But at one point, they did grandfather closet in. By the way, the name was Andrew Castles. Ah, Castles. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. I, it was either, I knew it was something that ended with an S. Uh, close enough, right? So, no, yeah, at one point they did grandfather clause in people for the uh, no helmets, but, I mean, they could do a grandfather clause where, you know, all current players have, you know, if you're not wearing a visor, you may continue to not wear the visor. But, you know, it, in growing up and playing hockey myself, it I rarely ever played without some sort of facial protection. Um, I would usually either have a metal cage or I would have a plastic visor, half a half visor, half cage kind of uh, hybrid. And, you know, it at every level of hockey going through college, except for with the exception of certain junior leagues, you are wearing full face protection. So what what gives players the notion that they are free to remove that part of their equipment as a part of the game moving forward into the professional realms of maybe ECHL, AC, or AHL, and NHL? It's, it's, it's completely up to the player, I guess, when it comes down to it. There, there's really no... It, essentially, you're graduating away from more protection and, and more stability when it comes to your equipment. Right. When you take that step from, like you said, the, the lower levels to the professional levels. I don't know. I think that's a tough one. I, I, I think it's... I don't think it's going to gain as much steam as two other ones that I had in mind. The the hybrid icing. Yeah. The, one. Yeah. The and the smaller goalie pads. I'll start with the goalie pads. I'm <laughs> I'm 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 fascinated and 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 appalled that we are going to shrink the size of the goaltenders. It's going to turn into a professional lacrosse game yeah. at some point, where the scoring is just going to be consistent and continual and, and you you lose the I don't know the the excitement of of, of the gameplay 
I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss as, as to why we need to we need to mess with something like that. Well, I think it was uh, best quoted during an All-Star Game comp- uh, skills competition where they had uh, uh, who was it? It was Rick DiPietro that was mic'd up, and, and Gary Bettman was in the booth during this, and uh, I believe it was Doc Emmerich that said, "Hey, do you have anything to say to the commissioner?" And he said, "Yeah, stop messing with the goalies." So, you know, it's been talked about for a number of years, and that's going all the way back to, I believe, 2007 or 2008. And, you know, it, it does come down to it, you know, whether or not that the league wants more scoring involved. I, their rationale behind it was was because it was, um, how do they phrase it? It was something to do with how it has, um, it has changed the game or it, it gives – goalies an unfair advantage if we want to talk about an unfair advantage of any extent here why don't we go back and look at garth snow and ron hextall who wore the lumber in the top of their shoulder pads to cover the top portion of the net goalies do not have much flex room with the equipment as it is according to the rules so if they're within the rules how is there any disadvantage going on here my my it's a it's a good question my my concern with all of this is you, you take away from the the importance of a goaltender. I mean, yeah. we, we've we've been to professional lacrosse games. It's it's just an onslaught. I mean, who who can outlast the other team offensively? If you do that in hockey, if you make the goalies smaller and potentially make the net a little bit bigger. Yeah, but you know what kills me though about lacrosse? That ball is a lot heavier than a puck, and yeah. these guys are just whipping that ball around and these goalies are barely wearing anything at all have you ever seen a bruise on a goalie oh yeah oh it's just incredible oh, yeah. i'm surprised they don't get blood clots left and right it's it's you have to think though the 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 demand and the the aspiration to become a great goaltender goes away yeah you you you're a youngster growing up you you want to mold yourself like martin brodeur you finally make it to the big to the big league and then all of a sudden They've shrunk your pads and made the net just a slight bit bigger. Yeah. I, now yeah. you are just you are just there to do your best to make this a fifteen to fourteen game and and get the the, the win in the in, in for the home crowd. It's it's yeah. it, it seems like it'd be a, a slippery slope. I, I don't think the league needs more scoring and and obviously it's it's for appeal. But yeah. where, where's the appeal if you're a true hockey fan? Where's the appeal of seeing 16 or 17 points scored in a night? Now, like I always reference with basketball, do you remember the 68th point of that game last night? No, nobody cares, okay? Everybody watches for the last couple of minutes of the game. I mean, I, I can never sit through a basketball game through and through. From pretty much the first quarter through to the third quarter, it's just me having a few adult beverages and some snacks and trying to figure out what I'm doing after the game. And then it comes down to the exciting part at the end. But... Um, let me get you the exact quote from NHL.com about the goalie equipment that was brought up. It was very briefly brought up. Uh, there was uh, the quote is there was also an in-depth conversation about whether or about further governing the size of goaltending equipment. There is a belief on so- several sides that the size of goalie equipment and the manner in which some keepers are using it is negatively impacting the game. How are goalies negatively using their equipment to their advantage in impacting the game, Shrimps. Can you can you think of any possible ways? No, if I mean, the rules have definitely gone against 
goaltenders in the past couple of years. Now you can go back in the crease. Yeah. And now the goaltender can no longer wander out and play the puck. He's got to stay out of that trapezoid. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 little things so far, but I I I don't foresee how a, a goaltender is 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 misusing their equipment. If anything, nothing's changed. If anything, they're they're at a disadvantage even more so now. Yeah, well, I got an idea. Maybe next week we can get a special guest goaltender or two in here to kind of explain how they could be using uh, the current size, regulation size equipment to their advantage. Because I, I remember when I did Hockey Week in Review up in Erie, Pennsylvania, we had a goaltender on, uh, Robert Kelly. He he pretty much described, uh, you know, how goaltenders operate, you know, and, and the mechanics of the whole position. So maybe he's a good guest that we can bring in to shed some more light on this. Because honestly, if anything, I'd say shrink down the size of the goaltender's skate blades. Because if you think about it, as they push off going down in a butterfly and kick off against the post and dislodge the net during a high-intensity scoring opportunity for the offense, um, why, why don't we give them a penalty for knocking off the net or something stupid like that? I mean, you know, it's so hard to sit there and limit the equipment that a goalie's wearing. But then again, players can wear thin protection as far as shoulder pads, uh, very limited protection in the helmets. I mean... Governing the size of equipment for goalies is probably the least of their concerns at this point. Let me ask you this. If they start whittling down goaltender equipment, does safety become an issue for them? Oh, it certainly does. Because what what protection do they have taking shots? I mean, goalies seeing 30 shots a night on average. I mean, how is that how is that not dangerous compared to maybe the guy that goes down and blocks a shot maybe three times in a game? Yep. You know, it, it increases their danger tenfold, Okay. It's it's absolutely absurd because then again, what you're going to end up doing is reducing these goaltenders down to regular players' equipment with maybe just oh your pads. I mean, yes, the chest pads and you know the shoulder pad, chest pad, you know the the shoulder pads. We'll just call them that. I mean, they provide a lot of protection too. But I mean, if, if you're going to start whittling down that chest protection, I mean, can you imagine taking a slap shot to the gut? I mean, I was a defenseman. I, I was a defenseman, and I took a t couple to the gut that knocked the wind out of me because the shoulder pads did not cover that portion of my body. So, let's move on to a different topic here. Uh, the hybrid icing. Do you want to cover that at all? <laughs> um, I, I I was just going to bring up. I I have enjoyed the changes that have been made in the past ten, fifteen years regards to. Um, how the ice is laid out. I, mm -hmm. I enjoy the idea of no red line, getting rid of two line passes. Oh, yeah. uh, I've enjoyed the idea of the um, delayed offsides. I think it speeds up the game tremendously. But I don't know about hybrid icing. I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of on the fence about it. I I get why you would want it. I understand I understand the, the safety issue and, and everything like that. But you are eliminating. Uh, or, or you're no longer encouraging the players, let's say on your third line, to go out and chase down a puck. You're 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 eliminating a facet of their game in which you have brought them in for. Well, you know, <laughs> icing is a funny thing, right? So we've eliminated contact on the icing, um, so that way players don't get hurt. That's all well and good. The thrill is in the chase, okay? Leave it be. 
no need for hybrid icing. Yes, I know that you want to, you know, keep the game moving and, you know, just make it all action. I know a few seconds more take off the clock when you're chasing down that puck. But if you leave it to where, you know, a player has to reach the hash marks in the in the zone in order to win out a battle for icing, what you're doing here is you're really you're really twisting to the game. You're twisting the game to the point where it's almost like flag football, okay? Um, yeah, oh, I almost won that race, but oh, I didn't get to those hash marks in time. No, when you're going really toe-to-toe -to -toe with it, you know, going towards the boards, and say you know that the guy's going to catch you, you know, catch up and pass you from behind and win the race for the icing, cream them. Cream them into the boards because it's a physical sport, Sally, okay? Hybrid icing is going to eliminate another facet of physical play in the sport of hockey. I, I don't agree with it at all. I mean, in collegiate levels and, 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 and lower than that, going down to, you know, squirts and peewees and what have you, that's fine, okay? Protect the kids, you know, that's all well and good. But when they get up to the junior level and maybe to, you know, a certain collegiate, I mean, NCAA D1, sure, let's put it in there, Let's or not put it in there, let's keep it regular icing. There's certain levels where I think it's appropriate, and I don't think it's appropriate at the NHL. I'm I'm kind of curious myself to see if it ever gets instituted in the NHL. What's 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 going to change on the roster? Yeah. I mean, your 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 physicality is no longer needed. Are you are you really going to base your 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 third line around players who are are willing to? Uh, chase on a puck to the hash marks. Yeah. I mean, it's you, you. You have to wonder the players who go into the boards now who are chasing it down the length of the ice. Uh -huh. Not every player on the team is doing that. No, because it's your third lines, yeah. maybe your fourth liners. Yeah, but you have to assume that that role is filled by a very special person on the ice. And you don't want your superstars and, killing themselves doing it. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, let me let me let me posit this as well. Um, there's been a rumor going around that that they were going to put icing on penalty kills. Did you hear that one? No. What they were talking about was um, making it even more um, of a disadvantage for a penalty killing team. And I don't know if this is true or not, or if it's actually been talked about. I'm sure maybe it's come up, but it's not made you know any particular headlines of any notable sorts. But uh, yeah, they're saying that, you know how we can't have changes on icings now, and that's why players get gassed, and they, you know, it gives the advantage to the team that isn't icing the puck, you know, and the team that keeps on icing it is all exhausted and everything. Well, they're saying that, you know, let's take away one opportunity of killing a penalty in uh, calling an icing and not allowing a change as a result. I think that's absolutely stupid if they even consider that. I, if somebody I, I, stood up in a meeting and said that, I would I would seriously slap him in the face. That's called assault, and that would be the end of the podcast. And that would be. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 jump in. We'll finish out today with rumors. The NHL deadline is looming, and mm -hmm. there are a number of teams, including our Buffalo Sabers, who are going to be sellers at the deadline. Who do you think? Oh, uh, and I'll start out with a big name. Who do you think will be acquiring Jerome McGinley? <laughs> you know, Jerome McGinley, uh, wow, you, you kind of threw a curveball at me. I thought you were going to give me someone like Bobby Ryan. But uh, Jerome McGinley, where would he actually fit is the real question. 
Um, you know, he, he's been one of those names that's been rumored to be traded for about five or six years now. Uh, I think that one of the best fits for him, and I know it would probably bust their salary cap a little bit, and they'd probably have to make a few sacrifices. A team that would use him the best to his abilities would probably be a team like Pittsburgh. Um, for a team that really wants to to win it, and they have the capabilities, and they're just a, a hair short right now, since they're in such a dogfight with Montreal and Boston, and uh, you know, and the like at the top there. Um, maybe not so much competition from anybody else in their division, but you know they're they're really battling back and forth. They're going to lock up the Atlantic Division, no 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 doubt about that. But uh, to to really put the nail in the coffin here and the uh, on any other team really uh, coming into it from the Atlantic, you get you get Jerome Ginla. So Pittsburgh getting Jerome Ginla will pretty much seal the deal for Pittsburgh in the Atlantic, even though it's been pretty much wrapped up at this point with 19 games left. And I think they'll go deep in the playoffs with uh, him on the roster as well. You have you have to figure that he is going to a contender. There's no way he's leaving the team that he's been with his entire career to go and play in some place like Phoenix or someplace yeah. like Florida. No, he, um, he wouldn't waste his time. No, in, in, and I'm... I couldn't even fathom if if I'm watching a power play, and it's Crosby, it's Neal, it's Kunitz, it's Malkin, and it's a Gibla. That is an absolutely terrifying sight for an opposing goaltender. Oh yeah. Well, what other I, team I, do you think he fits on? You know what? Again, you're going to a contender. I, I'd hate to see him leave Canada. I know he's been there all all of his career. Uh, Montreal. I don't know if if there's enough lure in Montreal to bring him in. Um, if, if you're asking me who's going to win the Stanley Cup right now, I'm going to say the Boston Bruins. Really? I am. I'm, I'm confident. I, I, I don't have faith in in, in Marc-Andre Fleury, the, the playoff goaltender. I'm, I'm not doubting their offense, but offense can only get you so far if you run into another offense with a goaltender. <laughs> Like the Boston Bruins, you're going to lose the series. You you cannot you cannot hope to go out and put up seven goals a night, especially against a a Vesna candidate goaltender like Tuukka Rask. Well, do you think Tuukka Rask can actually hold the team on his shoulders? Ah, uh, 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 you know what? I, I questioned it coming into the season. The guy's good. Okay, I mean, he he is good. He's in, and he's got the goals against to prove it. It's not like he's. Fifteen and two with a three-seven-three goals against average. Right. The last time I checked, his goals against average is under two, and he's got fifteen wins on the season. So obviously, the offense helps, but they may not need as much of it as they originally anticipated. Well, lately they have cooled off a little bit, even though they're still hot on the tails of Montreal. Uh, you know, only two points back of them at this point as we're recording this. But, um, yeah, well, I'm impressed with the numbers that they're putting out there. Lowest in the league right now, 60 goals against. Uh, second is Chicago with 62. And that's a tandem there that I did not expect, being no. Crawford and uh, Emery. Definitely did not see that coming. But uh, Tuka Rask, okay, all right, if you have as much confidence in him, but what about the offense, though, in Boston? It's it's there. I, I want to say there. They're not as flashy as the Pittsburgh Penguins, but I like how well-rounded they are. Okay. And if you think back to, I don't know, what's a good team? Anaheim 
a couple of years ago when they won the cup. Not the it's most. It's more than a couple of years ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm dating myself a little bit here, but you look back at that team; they're not the most offensively explosive team, but they had all the right components to win the Stanley Cup. I think Boston has that. They don't have the offensive output that Pittsburgh does, Mm -hmm. but they can score when they need to, and they have the sound goaltending and the sound defense, too. Okay. Well, then, Jerome McGinley, does he go to Boston? I'm, I'm, if, if you, if you said, I bet you a beer the next time we go somewhere, that he ends up in Boston, I would, I would place that bet. So you're betting he goes to Boston? And betting you a beer. All right. Well. Boston to Pittsburgh, and if they don't, then we both pay for our own and call it a victory anyway. And we're both going to be losers as he goes to Vancouver. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Calgary would turn upside down. Oh, I don't doubt it. Well, um, okay, who else do we have on the trade block that uh, we really want to – talk about does Brock does Bobby Ryan go anywhere from Anaheim or do they lock up that number one line I I I don't think he goes anywhere he's he's been he's been complaining for the past two years to be traded they haven't gotten rid of him he's still performing I I I have a hard time saying he he goes anywhere the the names that are being thrown about right now are are more veteran talent than anything you you look at players like Brendan Morrow Brendan Morrow's going to go somewhere um Hopefully they can get him onto a team that's going to make a nice run to the playoffs and, and, and deeper than that. But I don't know. Boros, you're looking at more serviceable veterans that are going to give you that playoff leadership at this point. Uh, I, I like I like to see Morrow get out about. Gabrick's name is out there. Yeah, well. <laughs> I, I You can bark up that tree if you want to. No. I, I was a big fan of... of Gabrick and Demetra when they played in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. It was the best tandem in the league at the time that nobody really recognized. And, uh, you know, he, he could not stay healthy. And I, I think that $7 million price tag is, is just – you double that when you have a player that's best injury prone. Marion Gabrick, uh, yeah, he's too much of an enigma to move at this point. I honestly think that uh, he will not um, – he will not be traded. And I think he's going to be one of those that they just let go to free agency after uh, next season. But um, the one rumor that I wanted to see if you had any wind of or any thoughts on is Mike Ribeiro being trade bait from Washington. No, I, I, I have my rumor sites, none of which are hockey buzz. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> That's I, not mine. Don't worry. <laughs> I follow. I follow a few um, – uh, rumor specialists, people who are, who are pretty savvy to, to things going on. And uh, I heard Mike Ribeiro. I, I cannot say why. The only thing I can think of is, is because Brooks Like is back, and uh, he's a center. Obviously, Like is not performing like he did a couple of years ago. But I, 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 I have a hard time watching them throw away a player that that team and those fans have come to love. Nobody, nobody expected Mike Ribeiro to be playing the way that he did. Even, even himself, I'm sure, that, to be playing the way he is right now, and to take that away from the fans is they're gonna they're gonna be up in arms, and and, and rightfully so. The the only player <laughs> that has been performing consistently all season is your second line center. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I'm mostly impressed here by his shooting percentage. You know, shooting number one on the team at 27%. I mean, the guy's not afraid to shoot the puck, and when he does, he's successful. <laughs> I mean, he's taken 36 shots and has 10 goals. I mean, yeah, he's he's a great playmaker, too, with 22 assists. His numbers speak for themselves. I I don't <clears> – <throat> I would actually hate for Washington to, to move him, but um, – do you think Washington becomes sellers as well? I mean, we're talking that Buffalo is going to start to, you know, start a fire sale of some sort and start liquidating players. Uh, but do you think Washington goes in that direction as well, or do you think they change things at the very top and fire George McPhee? I I I know McPhee's on hot ice. That doesn't even make any sense. Thin ice. He's on thin ice. <laughs> thin ice. We'll edit that or something. Um, he he's. He promised this city great things, and year after year, they come short. They, uh, a couple of years ago, they they had maybe what it takes. I think a lot of it lies in their goaltending. Their goaltending was was good, but just not good enough. There, there was always that flaw in their backstop, and, and hope these come around. But there are still those inconsistencies. They have two good top lines. They're going to be getting even better next year if their Russian superstar comes over, Kinetsov. Oh, um, that's right. It, it it could be awesome to see those to see Backstrom and Ovechkin and Kinetsov play mixed in with Troy Brower and Mike Ribeiro um, and Brooks White. I mean, that's a good top two line right there. They have the grinders. We know they have a little bit of grit. Their defense. They can get rid of Mike Green, and that guy's like a, 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 a give me give me a word here. The uh, grandfather. A disappointment. <laughs> I'll I'll say to, to, to keep it friendly. It's, oh. it's nothing but a disappointment these days with the injuries, and you know, you have guys like or um, Orloff, Orloff mm -hmm. and you have Carlson making his his mark. Carlson's going to be the the power play quarterback of the future. They got to get rid of Mike Green. Get another offensive defenseman, a couple guys to shore it up. Tom Cody is not who you want on your defense right now. Um, <laughs> it's time to cut those ties. They did a good job. They cut Hammerlick. I mean, Hammerlick was a, yeah. he, was a, he, was a he was a great defensive player in his career 15 years ago when he was effective. Yeah. So it's they, they have some work to do. I don't see him. I don't see him selling. They're they're climbing in the standings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I and I call Mike Green the grandfather too, because yeah, you know the constant injuries and oh my hip and all that stuff. I mean, send him off to Calgary maybe, and uh, you know <laughs> Calgary would take him. They take everybody like that. <laughs> well, it's his hometown. That's where he was born. So, yeah, why not go back home and finish uh, finish up there in front of the home crowd? But and then Gimler comes on down with uh, I don't know, just name 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 a random Calgary defenseman for me, and then they'll they'll. they'll That'll be the package, Chris deal. Butler. <laughs> oh, God. I forgot he's still playing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, any other any other rumors here on the trade block? I mean, I, I'm i hearing Ryan Close's name being thrown around. Uh, you know, it's just they're not really marquee names that people are willing to toss around. It's not like we got Brian Campbell on the block in 2007, 2008. It's, it certainly has been a disappointment the past couple of years. I used to take off every trade deadline day. I used to sit there in my pajamas from the time it started to the time that it ended. And I used to sit there and, and just relax, enjoy myself. 
in, in the past couple of years, it's been boring. It's been it's been more than boring, and, and this year is 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 lining up to be much of the same. You'll see a couple big names go, but I remember I remember three four years ago there were thirty or forty trades made throughout the day, and I'd be hard pressed to see if we see twenty this year. Well, because it's a, an abbreviated season, I'm sure it's definitely going to impact things. And also, what is the magic number now to make the playoffs? I mean, I haven't done the math yet. Uh, so how can a team really forecast whether or not they're in it or not? Because it's true. It, you, you look at a team like Buffalo, I'll throw out that example right now. They're six points out from eighth place. Do they go for it or do they just lay back and just let the season fall apart? But like we were saying last night, you, you put that team, if, if they do put it together, and, and make a run and, and limp into the playoffs, would you want to see, as a Buffalo Sabres fan, that team out there against the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, heck no. to start the season? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, it, you can also say the same thing about Washington, Philadelphia, and, you know, to an extent, the Rangers at this point. You know, the Rangers, they're holding on by the skin of their teeth right now to that eighth spot, and they're battling with New Jersey last night, and they beat New Jersey, but they're still tied. I mean, there are four teams with 32 points spreading across sixth place all the way down to ninth place. So, and right behind that is the 29-point New York Islanders team. I mean, it's so attainable at this point, any playoff spot, because we have 19 games to 20 games, or let me let me re correct my math here, um, 18 to 19 games left in the season for some teams here and it's not going to get any easier as time goes on if you're just kind of back and forth win one lose one you got to string together a winning streak here sometime or another but as i'm looking at the bottom eight in the east last 10 games two seven and one five five and oh four three three four six oh four six oh five three two three five two the bottom eight teams don't even look like they want it but then again you look at the top 10 teams, or the top eight teams, rather, in the Eastern Conference. Pittsburgh, 10-game winning streak. I think they want it pretty badly. Could, could you could you, essentially, the way that we're looking at it right now, the trade deadline is too soon. Could you make a move? Uh, well, no, it's already, it's already set in stone. But could it have been addressed early on? Um Let's move the trade deadline up a week or two. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. And, and the same could be said about the West. I mean, you got a mess of teams that could use some key players in certain roles. I mean, hell, look at this. It's an even better example here with Edmonton two points out of an eighth eighth place spot. You know where they are? They're tied with twelfth and thirteenth with Nashville. Okay, oh. two points out of the eighth seed. Yeah. And they're all that's the way down get, towards the basement. Get nutty. Yeah, that's going to get crazy. The Western Conference is going to be insane with a finish. I mean, Nashville's your primary example right there. You got great goaltending, but it hasn't shown up this season. And you know, <laughs> across, their offense is terrible. Their offense, offense is, is terrible. Awful. Yeah, they're they're like third, second or third worst in uh, the West, if not the league. Uh, right behind, uh, well, actually, I think Florida's offense is better than Nashville's. No, it is. They have yeah. more promise than Florida. I mean. I feel bad for Nashville. I, I really do. They they have every year they're they're right there and they make it into the playoffs and they just get swept out. They they, they I don't know what's so hard to understand about the lack of offense. It's it's not there. You're relying on the, the ageless wonder, David Legwand, 
to come in year in and year out and, and Martin Erat to, to be your top scorer. It's not there. It's time to shake it up. And and maybe you finally see, you know, we, we saw Lindy Ruff separated from his his tenured partner. Maybe it, it, it's time for uh, a break over there because... Barry Trotz going next? Really? Tr- I, Trotz is... Trotz and, uh, and the GM escapes me. Oh, don't um, put that on me. <laughs> uh, you can search it while I talk. Uh, Trotz and the general manager are now the longest tenured. Oh, David tandem. Poley. Yes, he's been there yes, for years. Poley. Yeah, um, Longest tenured tandem now that Ruff and Regeer, um have, have parted ways. So what have the Nashville Predators done to show that they are a Stanley Cup? Team. And when you don't show that, that's when the changes start to happen. Well, yeah, and yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I have not. I have nothing else to say about Nashville at this point. You know? <laughs> I am. I am. I have. I have. I have exhausted our Nashville knowledge, and we should. Uh, we should we probably should hang up the skates on that one. Well, 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 let's hang up the skates on this episode, shall we? Next week, we'll talk about the NHL realignment that has been signed off on by the NHL Players Association and the NHL Board of Governors and how it's going to look and how much I hate it. So we'll talk about that and much, much more next week in the next edition of the Cross Ice Feed podcast. Shrems, any final words? Yeah, next week, Wednesday, I'll be sitting in Key West at a bar doing the podcast. Oh, we weren't going to tell people that until we... Got there, but okay, fine, fine. I'll I'll have to find an exotic location to sit in, uh, and do the podcast from here in uh, Washington D.C. <laughs> uh your bathroom has ducks all over it, so that's pretty <laughs> wild. So I'm thinking that's the one right there. All right, Shrems. We'll talk to you next week. This is David Stearns for Brian Shrems saying thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next week, and as always, don't stop believing.